Beardy and the Beast Media Club. This is placeholder intro song. A quick editor note before the podcast begins. Unfortunately, there was technical difficulties in the first half of this podcast, and we had to change the recording structure midway through. Unfortunately, one of the members of Beardy and the Beast forgot to renew their CAPTCHA reading license, and this affected the quality of the podcast. Thank you for your understanding. Right. Thank you for joining us for a very spooky Beardy and the Beast Media Club, a full spoiler discussion into a piece of media. There are certain rules to abide to if you wish to avoid spoilers, and we're going to break them all. If you enjoy what we do, please share us with your friends or join the conversation in the comments or at our Discord. A full list of services we are available at can be found at beardyandthebeast.com. As always, my name is Drew, and we also have our very own made-for-television Drew, Devin. <laughs> Joining us Actually, today... I didn't find the made-for-television version of the screen. Uh, joining us today is a very talented and ever handsome Jamie from the band Heron. Hey, thanks for having me back. Great to be here. Yeah, good to have you back. This spooktober, we have chosen films that critique, parody, or satire horror film genre. And today we'll be discussing 1996 horror mystery Scream. So, Jamie, did you like this scary movie? Actually, I did. I, I was really charmed by this movie. I don't think I had seen it since the theater. It was at least the the '90s on VHS. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, it was quite charming and fun and well made. Had the same sort of experience when I watched Pulp Fiction recently. I was worried: has this movie not aged well? Mm. And Pulp Fiction has aged just fine. What seems to have not aged well is all the things inspired by that. And I think that's the same for Scream too. Scream is a pretty fun movie to watch, made by Wes Craven, who knows what he's doing. Good writer, too. But yeah, perhaps it's the movies that came after it that were also sort of satirizing the genre that maybe don't hold up as well. I completely agree with you there. I think one of the big things with Scream was, I mean, the slasher genre basically revitalized the genre. And I don't think a lot of people understood that it was also a parody, probably because it wasn't necessarily funny in the same way like Tucker and Dale is. Hmm. But it is parodying genre. Well, and to add upon that, usually those that come after this film try to make themselves a parody of Scream and alike films. So Hmm. trying to like satirize something that's already satire usually ends up going far more into the camp uh, realm. Right. And what about the other Scream movies? Have they, any of you guys seen those ones? Have they aged well at all? So I've watched them all. It's been a while since I've watched two and three. It was Scream 5 that just came out, wasn't it? Is that the new one that's just called Scream? Yeah. Scream 4 and Scream 2022. I think they both kept the the overall feel of it. I know, obviously, Craven wasn't involved in the last one. But um, I think... I think they held up because they still stick with that same idea of poking fun, fun of the genre hmm. while still kind of keeping it serious. One of the big things I remember in Scream 4 that stuck with me and can't quite remember how good the rest of the movie was, do the whole new cast thing and, you know, Nev Campbell's character comes in and it's like, you forgot the one rule of a reboot, don't fuck with the original. <laughs> I felt like they still knew what they were doing. Again, it's been a while. 
Yeah. This was actually my first viewing of anything in the Scream franchise, so it was definitely crazy to me. How did you miss this? I don't know. I saw I saw I saw at least one Star Wars film, so does that count? I guess. It just these <laughs> seasons it was omnipresent. Like at how could you escape it? Matthew Lillard's in it. I mean, come on, the guy from Wing Commander. <laughs> I saw Wing Commander, but I did not see Scream. And yeah, so you're just <laughs> such a contrarian. Uh, it's all about Pretty seen, Prince, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what it is. Have you seen <laughs> SLC Punk? So you've seen the Scooby Doo movies. You love Freddie Prince. Yeah. I love the Scooby Doo live actions. Oh, they're great. Lillard kills it. They all kill it. Uh, I love yeah. everybody in those movies. Yep. No, no, no. The, the only person that matters is serial killer. Serial killer. Yeah, yeah. From Hackers. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. His, yeah, of course, his character. How could I forget? Yeah, yeah. Serial killer. <laughs> and, and SLC Punk. Matthew yeah. Lillard. He contains multitudes. <laughs> A shining beacon of hope for all that is. Yeah. Uh, oh, he was a blast. I, I, he is just like biting off gigantic pieces of scenery in this movie, and he just he's killing it. I love him. Every scene he's in, he's great. I, I was reading like a big part of like having these these cast members were the fact that they could take the film with humor and, and inject that that bit, and they just said like steal the scenes. So, so you always had that dark humor in between, and they nail it. Yeah, definitely. And it it allows. Um... The lines that are very meta or like outside your standard four walls of the film, the way that they can be delivered by someone who, you know, isn't your standard scream queen or like overacting in a in a certain way that brings a levity to it. Like we we have examples of that for uh, what's his face the the movie jockey who went on about the three rules to to buy oh god to. Jamie Kennedy that's that's a yeah. fun example of you have Matthew Lillard who's just sort of killing it with this cheesy dialogue and then Jamie Kennedy just like a bowl of farts oh, man. <laughs> that's the only part like this movie I think is good satirizing of just like a of a core statement it's good at satirizing the genre when it's showing those elements in like film format but when they're literally telling you about the elements that's when it sort of falls on its face and i thought those were the coolest parts when i was younger mm-hmm. i would i would disagree now i think the bigger thing so this is something that happens with a lot of other of these you know the good horror parodies that that we've seen i know i know it's been talked about at least between me and drew before it's it's not that he was spelling out the rules it was i think more that it was also convinced if you probably could have spread out the rules a little bit throughout the film and you might mm. not have felt as not to put words in your mouth but ham-fisted i'm guessing yeah but i guess he does they sort of tried that a few times when they're in the movie store or video store or what have you but yeah i don't know it's probably hard to make that sing but lillard doesn't seem to have a hard time with his dialogue well, i think a big part of that too is everyone in this film is genre left so they all know the films are talking about they're making references throughout the entire thing and you just happen to have a character that is very much tied into it by being working in a movie store, at the very least. It's called a blockbuster. Before Netflix, we had to go and like physically grab video cassettes, <laughs> <laughs> which is a precursor to DVDs yeah. and Blu-ray. <laughs> hey, there, there, there is still a place down, down on Cook in my town that. Is it Yo Video? I, I, that's that's might still be. going. There's yeah. still a video <laughs> rental place there. We still have a black dog video here in Vancouver. They're still alive, yeah. <laughs> One thing that would have made that better for that specific character is if he had more casually introduced the rules earlier. 
mm-hmm. as some type of form of foreshadowing, but yeah. instead it, it seemed like, like a ill-delivered joke. Yeah, and if but, I guess I'm, if I'm thinking about that too much, he maybe is playing the part he's supposed to play as the annoying know-it-all in these horror movies. So like the Shelley from Friday the 13th or what have you. It's like he doesn't sort of get what's coming to him, quote-unquote, but I guess... If I thought Jamie Kennedy was a decent actor, maybe that's what he's trying to do. But who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah didn't yeah. work. Didn't work for me as the rest of the elements. What I thought were quite good in terms of the just the character development and just shooting it. You know, so, yeah, hey, yeah, what's Craven? What's Craven? Good director. Turns yeah. out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least one film. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah, I think this is a big thing. I, I agree with you there, Drew. Like Kennedy needed to do that earlier because he was that role of that harbinger. Yeah. Mm. And that, the problem is, I mean, with that being said, you have to remember that harbinger scene where he's doing that. There's yeah. still almost an hour left of the movie at that point. True. Yeah, that True. party is like a good third of the film. So, yeah, it should have been a little bit earlier, and they kind of did it when he was talking about, you know, who could be the killer. I mean, correctly identifies who the killers are. Let's skeet. Yeah. <laughs> Floppy-haired king. He looks, he looks yeah. so great. They got him uh, dressed in pretty regular clothes, so he sort of gets through it unscathed. The stuff that Jamie Kennedy is wearing is pretty... Like, I'm taking psychic damage when I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> pretty incredible. And the reason why that is because I... I definitely had a shirt like that and had those pants like nothing fitting it's just a, <laughs> it's a personal attack i think because it's still kind of that grungish era kind of makes it sense is that, yeah right? I, yeah I, I was i had met a bet with my wife that we would see at least one guy wearing goggles on his head but it didn't happen, so I, I lost that bet perhaps it's a little early for that another three years maybe this, this would have been firmly after like grunge was the less economically fortunate people uh, actually having to go to like second hands to get their flannels it, it started getting uh mainstreamized and popular oh, yeah and the, leaning into new metal too is just sort of coming up too yeah, yeah. so all, all sorts of horrible things from men's fashion <laughs> <laughs> there's good things with men's fashion <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh the, other than that like i think skeet went pretty good they tend to keep the main characters in pretty classic you know mm-hmm. waffle prints decent t-shirts and yeah. neve campbell neve is that how you pronounce that? Nev. Nev. They keep, keep her in pretty, like, stripped-down stuff. You know, Rose McGowan, her outfit's going out, but like, all out, but it's probably supposed to. She's the gregarious sort of uh, slut character, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually read a little bit about what they were, what they did with the costuming and such with Rose McGowan. Part of it was, with, like, they just wanted to make her a straight tomboy, and she didn't quite feel that worked, which is why we had a lot of that sports-themed stuff, but in a very feminine way. Mm. interesting costume note they had to like nail her shirt to that cat door because she was small enough to get through Uh, (laughs) let's just say there might have been some wardrobe malfunctions (laughs) oh i was gonna say yeah she got the top part and that seemed to be the the widest part of her so she got that through clearly (laughs) but yeah they just poured her into those outfits and like with with nev campbell one of the big reasons they apparently cast her for it was um, because she was party five at the time so, yeah, I think so. They, they figured that she was really good at kind of having that innocence and saw that in the craft when we discussed that earlier. Where she had that innocence, but she also had, she also seemed capable in her actions, helped sell the character. Oh, you're talking about like confidence from, uh, exuded from like act being assured in her role and comfortable within it. Yeah. And, and also like could seem capable of the character. It didn't mm. seem all that she was able to fight back. Because she had enough of that fire. 
Okay. Apparently, they almost just had the entire cast of Charmed in this film. <laughs> True. Well, there's a movie I have not seen, but uh, my wife swears by it. Is that or is that a TV series? That's it was a TV a series. series. Oh, that's the one. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly with Alyssa Milano. I am interested in one thing, Devin. You sent you sent me a message the other night when you were rewatching this. Something about a piece of foreshadowing that you'd never seen before. Oh my god! I it hit me like a ton of bricks. I had to pause the film. This is like 15 minutes into the film. And I'm like, they're fucking don't playing, don't fear the Reaper. Yeah. When um, Billy uh, sneaks into her room. Oh, yeah. Blue Oyster Cult's playing on the radio? I think it was just the, the, the background music was just don't fear uh-huh. the Reaper. But it didn't go into the chorus part of it. The softer rendition. Yeah, yeah. On the cowbell. How did I miss that? I've watched this movie dozens of times and just never realized they were playing Don't Fear the Reaper. <laughs> I missed it too, actually. <laughs> I, I didn't catch that at all. And I, I was surprised how much this movie had me kind of like jumping back and forth as to who the killer was. I did get that oh, there good. was multiple, but... Good, so it worked on you. I was wondering. I, I thought it was Dewey. No, yeah. They did a good job. He Like, uh, Arquette does a, has another good performance of just playing a sniveling little deputy sheriff. He's great. A little, <laughs> yeah. little slap-face slap smile. <laughs> well... Well, for me, it was there. There was a sticker on the side of his computer monitor that said "Comic Cop," and the yeah. face of the drawn character looked very reminiscent of the ghost face mask. Oh, didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, I was That's like, cool. "What is that?" I think they did that very well. One of the rules that that Randy kind of mentions throughout the film was, uh, "It's the Millennium. Everyone's a suspect." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think overall, they actually did that very well. I mean, obviously, everyone was thinking of Randy. This fake one, they always thought was Randy when someone called. Makes sense, given his cinephile ways. Obviously, Billy shows up. They did things like the police boots the sheriff was wearing, or the same boots that you see stepped down in the bathroom scene. So they were very much trying to make it look like you have no idea. Mm. And then, of introducing the dad and the dad later on as well as a possible suspect very intentionally trying to do. I think part of the idea behind it was they wanted it to, they looked at it as mystery as well, because makes even on a rewatch, you get more out of it. Because there it goes, like, okay, who is killing them, right? Mm-hmm. Who Who's the actual killer in each of these scenes? And of course, you could pick up on other things like when with Barrymore's character right at the beginning, Casey, you know, the question that gets answered is which door is he at? Well, it's a trick question. Is that both of the doors? Exactly. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, Out of all the potential killers, I didn't expect uh, Stuart to be one of them. Really? I thought he'd end up being a uh, just another person murdered, uh, especially yeah. with the line with, uh, I'll see you in the kitchen with a knife. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though I didn't think Movie Boy was uh, the killer, I I thought that might have just been like a little like nod to what was about to happen to him. Well, I'm glad it still worked because um, Gita Ulrich is just sweating and like just looming and just just leaning into it so bad. But the other red herrings are good enough that you don't. Well, it could be him, but it could be these other guys too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I noticed that. Oh man, I'm pretty sure the camera guy was Dirty Dan from Deadwood. You ever watch that show, Deadwood? Uh, there, I had a roommate who was super into it. 
Yeah, well, the, Ian McShane's right-hand man, his name's Dirty Dan, and I, it was him, and uh, it was weird to see him young and not covered in dirt and mur <laughs> murdering somebody. That's a great show. What was I, Yeah, at the time I was into The Sopranos. Never watched that no, all the way through. Or it might have been One Tree Hill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was kind of into the, both those series at the same time for some reason, but we had the DVD box sets. Were there any of those kind of teen dramas I watched? The Dawson? <laughs> No, I didn't watch Dawson. I didn't watch Party of Five or anything like that. I watched Angel and Buffy, but much later in life. The only real show of that kind of generation that was like of any note for me was probably The Pretender. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I still love that that series where Jared can pretend to be anything and then he knows Michael all the T thing. And... God, I had forgotten about that show. Michael T. Weiss. What else was he in? <laughs> I, I don't know. Known for Jared in the television series, The Pretender. <laughs> Hope he just got a ton of money from The Pretender. Man, he was on that show for four years. 86 episodes. Yeah. Getting close to um, syndication there. Get paid. I didn't even know his name. I just thought his name was Jared. Oh, okay. Yeah. People do that all the time on the street. Jared! <laughs> yo, 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 yo! Just you. Just you. <laughs> right, I'm, not allowed, to go. I'm not allowed 150 meters near him now. <laughs> free speech. There we go. Oh, free speech. <laughs> None of that is allowed here. We we can only talk about Michael T. Weiss. <laughs> Michael! <laughs> the world done you dirty. Dirt was the best character to ever exist. <laughs> uh, look who's getting Blu ray of Pretender for Secret Santa. <laughs> I'm wondering, um, wasn't the Fawn supposed to be in Scream? He was in there. Um, he was. Did you not see him? No, no. Yeah, he was the principal. Uh, the principal. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird you know him as the Fawn. I know. had the leather jacket and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's just, he just complaining about kids. It was, it was pretty good. He did a good job. Brought some gravitas to it. I know him as the shit lawyer from Arrested Development. It was weird seeing him. I hadn't seen him in a while. But he's great in that I series as well, too. Never seen that one. Oh, really? Um, yeah, well, we, well with your yeah. time. He didn't last um, long, but uh, he was great in his scenes. Spouting exposition. And the obsession with his hair. I see it now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fun story. They killed him off just because they went too long without killing someone. The executives wanted it to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I had read something, too. And it worked out great. It was a pretty good killing. The most of the gore is pretty good in this. Lots of practical effects, like the, where and the, the obvious dummy when Rose McGowan gets her head crushed. I love that stuff. Like the all the viscera is pretty gross. You see it just enough to oh, no, she, she you was out. hanging from that. Yeah, no, she was actually hanging from that. Brutal. Like, she was apparently bruised up, like mad because of it. Really? Yeah. Well, I imagine it looked like a pretty brutal stunt. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm kind of squeamish when it comes to the more like uh, gory stuff. But thankfully, mm -hmm. the the actual choices that they did, probably to hide some of the like the practicalness of it, showing it at a distance. The first death was the Drew Barrymore's boyfriend, and yeah. he was like yeah. gutted or whatever. Um, yeah. But even that was like semi in the dark and at a distance, so it didn't give me that squeamish uncomfortableness. But like it did set the tone of the scene. Yeah, and then when you see Drew, Sydney, I guess at, at the end of that scene. It just sort of snaps in a couple times to see it quick, and then you're out. So just mm -hmm. enough to skeeve you out. Yeah. Probably the best scene in the movie. Like, Drew just kills it. 
It's so it just keeps I mean, building that... and building, and there's just so much going on, and you just feel being in the suburbs of these giant houses where every window is open, and you know everybody can see yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, well, I mean that's iconic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good reason. She's on the poster too. She's, I think she's the biggest on the poster, probably the biggest <laughs> name at the time. And they kill her off in the um, first scene. That's good. It's like Steven Seagal, an executive she decision. The, <laughs> <laughs> she was also the headline for the film. And what, Drew Barrymore in Scream? Or, yeah. Oh, oh. She was Did the top not. build in the advertising and such. Uh, because she was, I mean, she's still big, but she was really big at that time. Yeah. Still. And she wanted it this way, too. <laughs> I love Drew Barrymore. She's great. Oh, yeah. That actually like kind of falls on track too for what they're kind of doing with this movie. Like if they were to have like your headlining actress legitimately kill her off in the first scene tracks for me. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most effective ways. And this is again, just how this film plays with tropes overall. Most of these films, especially like as you get more scream Queens and such, you know, you know what to expect. Mm. Uh, you just killed off your, top build character in the first 15 minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. No one's safe. That worked for you, Drew, as a first-time viewer? Still an effective scene? It definitely set the mood. What I did notice immediately was like, in all the popular cultural references to screen, mm. it was all encapsulated in the the opening of this, more so yeah. than the rest of the film itself. It's what everybody parodies. That was, that was my next question, or whether you had seen you had seen this parodied before in popular culture and all those uh, scary movie sort of parodies or what have you, but still effective. Yeah, even in weird foreign music videos and stuff. So he's this first scene. Really? Weird. Yeah. That is probably one of the most iconic scenes out there. I, apparently this is like one of the top grossing films for a good while too. And oh, it's the top insane. Film up until like 2019. Like it was only just top of like the yeah. top slasher films. Uh, in horror films are basically Scream, Scream 2, Scream 3. Yeah, like it did 10 times its budget. Crazy. Unheard of now. And they released it at Christmas. What? Really? Yeah, this movie released at Christmas because they wanted to give horror fans something. I love it. Yeah, I definitely remember seeing this in the theater in my little hometown. And I remember loving it. And I was the person who was watching all the crap that this is parroting. Like every... The glut of 80s and 90s horror that I was just <laughs> like an omnivore just sucking up as much as I could. Yeah, so it, uh, it, it really uh, resonated with me at the time and still did. Staying up till 2 a.m. to catch extremely early showings of whatever horror movie could actually make it to the television. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had what was Super Channel at the time, which was like, a, I guess like Canadian HBO, I don't know, and they would get yeah. movies Yeah, quite a bit later afterwards but they would play them non-stop when they got them and that really developed me for a taste of watching a movie and over again and i would watch these horror movies and i'm a giant coward it was always a giant <laughs> coward when i was watching these films but just couldn't get enough and i would just work myself up into such a little tizzy watching you know rawhead rex or the fly remake or, or something like that you know didn't really matter the quality they both just they all destroyed me and i loved them Friday the 13th Part 6, probably my favorite at the time. I watched that one a lot, and probably my favorite in the series. It's the one I show to people if they've never seen it before, because it's just, it knows what it is. It's right in the middle. It's goofy. The kills are really fun. 
and it's got that more supernatural bend to it. So that's what people are looking for. You don't need to explain the lore. Okay, so Jason's mom was the first, and then, you know, none of that sort of stuff. It's just good, good fun. Don't need to know much about it. Guy was dead, struck by lightning. Now he's not dead. Here we go. All the deep Jason lore. Actually, you know what? This this movie had me lock or uh, screen had me lock my my window. It was weird. <laughs> like it did something to me. It was it was more in the tone and the way that they're doing like their choices in sound effects resonated with whatever it is in these type of movies that makes me look over my shoulder or like questions the dark corner of the room. Uh-huh. This one was actually as goofy, goofy as it might sound. Had me doing that same thing. Was it that part where she mm. called nine one one over TTY? Was that the part that shook <laughs> you to your core on her <laughs> gateway <laughs> computer? Right, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's impressive that someone knew how to do that in ninety six to hop yeah. on the internet and try to reach. Yeah. Like that was uh, impressive. <laughs> I couldn't tell what kind of computer because there was just tears of joy streaming down my face. <laughs> wonderful yeah but I, I, I even like i've seen this movie a bunch the first scene and there's a couple scenes where sydney's being stalked they still work i'm like i know how this ends and i'm still getting a little antsy mm-hmm. well i i think again there's, there's a few things that they do well so uh, from what i gather they never looked at this as a as a pure horror film like mm. they went to the rating boards with it as a comedy and that's why it didn't get like an nc-17 rating they told them to look at it as a comedy instead um, when you're talking about the sound, like um, apparently the, the sound designer and soundtrack guy was looking at it as a Western. The mm. writer was looking at it as a mystery. So you get the kind of this, I don't know, beautiful hodgepodge of these different genres bleeding together. Mm. Like it, it definitely knows what it is. Like nothing takes away from either of the other parts, but it just creates something very unique. Yeah, there's some weird industrial sort of soundtrack stuff at the beginning, and then it sort of moves to more, I guess, contemporary uh, sound or songs. Mm-hmm. But I was good. pretty sure I heard a Republica song. Not that Republica song, yeah. the other one. I don't remember what it's called. I think Drop Dead Gorgeous? Maybe. I think you're right. Yep. Right when they go and kill Tatum? Mm-hmm. This, yep. this is very much in the time, though, where they started lining films with tracks to sell a cd oh yeah have like screen the album yeah i don't remember i can't think of anyone who didn't have the crow soundtrack in my friend group and just didn't mainline that all the time exposing me to so many bands that i'd never heard before but it still holds up that was only a couple years before i never felt that any of this music pulled me out like a lot of films that do that can do yeah which like you're just watching for the song like drew's favorite queen of the damned (laughs) (laughs) like i'm just saying it's 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 not a valid movie soundtrack if will smith isn't rapping on it that's right yeah yeah Yeah. it's the willonium he explained it in the song (laughs) (laughs) you know what it makes me it makes me wonder just kind of like to ship focus here because at this time, this is where we started getting into more of the like pop industrial new metal sounds that were coming out. And I'm yeah. wondering if like movies like Scream help push push that into the mainstream, or was that just like the production people kind of latching on to it? It's like, oh, this is what's popping right now. We're gonna line our album with it yeah. or our film. Yeah, 
Yeah, this one didn't seem like too egregious. I didn't recognize most of the songs, and they were deeper cuts. You figure if they're going to get Republica, they're going to do Ready to Go, I think the song is called. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but maybe they didn't have the money for it, and maybe part of uh, worked to their benefit in the long run. Because you've got more time-appropriate, no. but less not dropping a Stone Temple Pilot song right in the middle of it. No, I, I really think it's it goes more to they knew what they were trying to do. You're, you're not going to use that when again you've got drop dead gorgeous which you know even if you don't realize what song it is it's relevant or like again when you're saying that don't fear the don't be a good point these were very conscious choices i don't think they were just oh this is the the sound that's popular or or something because again it all worked yeah that, that's a you good know, point kind of... everyone behind this movie is is a pro so it makes sense they would know what they're doing and know how to pick a uh, song cue you know what the fact that it like even uh, Don't Fear the Reaper was, from what I can tell from this, was uh, a cover. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking that um, it kind of gives it a little bit more street cred, I guess you could say. It kind of brings it to being more atmospheric rather than pa pandering to a demographic. Yeah, I didn't recognize it at all. Yeah, but if you probably played the actual one, familiar with that guitar and that production enough that I probably would have picked it up. It's subtler. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, again, I said I've, I've, I've watched this film dozens of times. And I just have, like, half a page in all caps. How the heck did I miss this all of these times? <laughs> and immediately text, immediately message Drew. <laughs> and I don't feel so bad about missing it all these times, considering, you know, Drew missing it is fine. But you said you've watched this movie probably as much as I have, and you didn't catch it either there, Jamie, so. Yeah, yeah. And I just watch movies different now, I think. Yeah. More familiar yeah. with film language. Not in sort of a pompous sort of way but just more exposure to movies at this point mm -hmm. in my film genre i was watching lots of vhs crap not a lot of art tour stuff you know what i mean or, or what you would consider good films i guess <laughs> <laughs> i i had the three cassette tapes when i was a kid one was dancing with wolves one was the santa claus and one was power rangers the movie we should add power rangers the movie to our list <laughs> <laughs> no. you know what i did expect a whole lot more like direct foreshadowing and spelling things out ahead of time, just with the kind of atmosphere that they were painting with the clever, like being film savvy, or at least setting something up and then completely going in the different direction. A good instance would be the whole, um, when the killer was talking to Drew Barrymore saying, uh, was it Drew Barrymore? Or it might've been Nev. Uh, when it was like, they, they're always uh, busty and dumb and they run up the stairs instead of to the door. Like yeah, they should yeah. have. Uh -huh. I, yeah, I, I expected a whole lot more of setting things up and then just kind of like knocking it over as they kind of, I guess, betrayed the foreshadowing or the the spelling it out. True. Well, it's one of the things I like because they did set that up, but one thing you see with with um with Sydney is she always went for the front door first. Mm -hmm. Like there wasn't a single instance where she was where she didn't. Though I found that really funny when she was attacked the first time. It actually would have been safe for her to run upstairs. Yeah. Because we saw her entering in an ups upstairs entrance, so she would have had an escape there, um, which actually would have been a nice subversion for that. Well, that's what I expected there, because she went for the door, but the the chain latch was closed, so she ran up the stairs. I immediately thought, like, 30 seconds ago, they showed her entering the house via a door in a room, and now she's, like, trapped in it. It just didn't show that angle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Seems like, actually just seems like an oversight. That's kind of how I read that one, too. Again, I think it's... I don't necessarily know the audience would have realized that there was an upstairs door. It was kind of <laughs> because, a moment, like... Oh, you know, people are dumb. 
it was very much a thing, but yeah, it could have had a good payoff. I specifically earmarked it because I had this moment where I was like, how wealthy is this family that they have this estate with this like crazy deck and this cool entrance to like just this random room? Every house had that. <laughs> Every house a mansion. Yeah. It was it was definitely fun in that matter. Like uh, constantly guessing and then them going out of their way to, to show scenes directly. So it's it makes you uh, create a, check, a checklist in your mind. You have your idea of who it is and then... You know, two thirds of the way through the movie, it's like, but they can't be because they were with this person and this person over here still died. And the first time they did that, I went like, oh, there's two people. But a big part of that, there's two people. I think this is something we've talked about in other films, too. There being two people as the killer is one of the things that actually sets this film apart from the genre. So now you'll see multiple killers more often. That was unique for this film at hmm. the time. Yeah, well, they put it on the timeline for sort of when that was popular or a thing. What would have been more direct for its time would have probably been something along like uh, Skeet was the killer and Cotton was like his estranged dad or something like that. And yep. like he might have been falsely accused or whatever, but even then because of course in this version, Cotton would have you know died by the hand of the state or something. Yeah, I think that would be normally how you would see that something like this in the genre. Mm-hmm. It's nice that they... <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't think they could have done that because it would have been way too obvious. Yeah, yeah. Again, at the time where the idea of multiple killers is unique, just the whole being in jail thing when she's a t- when they get that second phone call would be yeah. enough to go, oh, okay, he was just the red herring. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then you don't really think about it again until a bit later where it's like, who did you make your one phone call to? They do a good job so, of bouncing back and forth of, is it him? Is it not him? Is it not him? And just keep you guessing. Yeah. Well, and with movie logic, because because of the way that they laid it out, you like historically how they how they introduced him during that scene, you would have written him off written him off almost immediately. Even with mm-hmm. the dropping of the phone, you're like, ah, that's just a red herring. Yeah, you would have dismissed him. I think the the one thing of foreshadowing that I still don't quite I'd never quite pick up for it's um with Lillard with Stewart being one of the killers. Uh, and again, I think it's just his delivery with everything. He's so over the top that you don't ever really take what he's saying seriously. Yeah. Especially where you compare that again with, with Jamie Kennedy's Randy, who's very deadpan, very serious about it. Oh, yeah, no, you could be a psycho killer. I mm-hmm. see that. And they even na- name it, too. Yeah. Well they, well, they play him off like the comedic relief, right? <clears throat> comedic relief is usually somebody who dies near the end. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, true, and B- Billy is your sort of more traditional killer with the motive, too, whereas mm-hmm. Stu is like, meh. Yeah, I think he answers peer pressure, I think is <laughs> yeah. the answer he gives. Yeah, so he's got no real <laughs> got no real motive. Apparently there was a bit of discussion around that. I mean, even the film, they say it's scarier when there's no motive, but the execs thought, no, it's, you know, it's important to have the, the motive because it gives kind of closure to the story. And they're like, well, we've got two killers. Why not both? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i think sometimes yeah it depends they they sort of they they had their cake and ate it too we did both uh yeah. but you, know, you can have something like uh funny games where you'll never know the motive of why those people are doing that i think the only yeah. reason why the killers give i think it's that funny games is like why are you doing this and they say because you were home that's all you get for that movie and that is yeah. i haven't pretty seen terrifying. that one but i've heard that yeah oh it's not fun yeah, it's like... Oh, yeah, no, no, I... Strap, I, strap in. I understand it is one of the 
least fun of the genres like that and like Lake Mwongo and such like that. Like they're movies that I have on my list, just haven't seen. Yeah, Michael Haneke. He makes really bummer movies, man, but they're great. They're really great. I think he even made the he made a remake of his own. He made Funny Games, and I don't. I think he's German, French. I don't know. But then he made the remake uh, later on. He remade his own movie. I think just so he could traumatize American audiences in the most effective way, and it works. That movie scared the crap out of me. Yeah, I'm gonna have to pass my my soft baby heart. Can't handle all these <laughs> scary films. <laughs> I can't do that stuff anymore. Anything that's like like really psychological or anything to do with kids anymore. I just can't do that stuff. I'm I like my goofy gore now for the yeah, most yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. But what I'll go for is sci-fi related. Yeah, I, I, I kind of go back and forth. Some there's an art to good horror. Yeah, and it, it's a shame because it's one of these genres that people pass off. They just don't give it credit. And you see it like even when you the general audience is reviewing horror. Yeah. It doesn't just get re- clearly don't know what you're looking at. It doesn't get a lot of respect. Uh, people make it because it's cheap and easy. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't get a lot of set, but it's hard to do well. And a, a skilled hand, you can tell almost immediately in it from all facets. And a lot of it ends up just being the little intricacies in every little bit. Sound design to practical effects. Like acting will always be important, but the atmosphere, I think. And perfecting that atmosphere is so much more important in the horror genre. Definitely. Apparently, there's a lot of like a lot of the you know jokes and the humor of this. It was ad libbed. It was just awesome. stuff that happened. For example, uh, near the end of the film, Billy throws the phone and hits Stu in the head, and just goes, "Why'd you do that? And he was such yeah. a dick." Yeah. Was it. Like it was uh, just something that happened. Uh, um, uh. Some great lines like, are you, "Did you really call the cops?" Yeah. Oh, my mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me. I think that Willard. was ad-libbed too. No, like he kills it. So, how much of this movie do you think was intentionally a satire and a comedy, and then it just sort of ended up that way through the process of making it? I, I think it was always meant to be a satire, or just because people think satire is means humor. Definitely satire. Definitely parody. I think that was always the case. And I think that's why they chose some of the cast they did. Right? Because there were people who could kind of play around with it a bit, improv a bit. Lillard and Kennedy can be funny. I enjoyed myself quite a bit. I don't know if I'll watch the other ones, but I think there's a couple of this time. I remember liking I Know What You Did Last Summer. And I remember I Know Who Killed Me. The Lindsay Lohan movie is completely batshit. And I love that movie. Recommend that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a smarter person than me, Elliot Kalin, who contends if that movie was in black and white and in Italian, people would think it's a masterpiece. And I kind of agree, because it's insane. <laughs> I, I, I haven't even heard of that movie, and I oh. haven't seen I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, man. Imagine if someone like me tried to make a David Lynch movie. That's kind of what I Know Who Killed Me is. <laughs> it's, okay. it's, it's wonderfully, it's such a big swing made by someone who maybe couldn't reach farther than their grasp or something like that but it's wonderful i love it it really got shit out of the time but man check that one out it's fun <laughs> um, i might have to simply because you recommended it i know i don't remember the other scream movies as well for the most part i always felt like they tried to stick with the tone at least even the the netflix series the netflix series that they made a little while ago wasn't bad it was different but it does make you worry, like, even if they tried to capture it, were they able to get a hold of that magic or that little special 
uh, ingredient X to make it into a real girl. Um, the later films go on and joke about they make a movie called Stab based off of it. Tori Spelling plays Nev Campbell's character. <laughs> it, it's one of those things where the filmmakers understand how the sequel baiting happens, but most of the cast, cast and crew are going, it's like, no, it's got to be the right script. The series hasn't let me down. They've never been the original. Wait a sec, Nev Campbell was in an episode of The Kids in the Hall? Except she's Probably Canadian, she's right? Canadian. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to watch that, and <laughs> and fi- and finish the kids in the hall re-release. I watched the first episode. Oh, and it's... oh man, I was <laughs> very happy. Like out, right out the gate, full frontal male nudity of men in their sixties, like unreal. <laughs> it's... They're back, baby. <laughs> you don't, you do, and you don't you don't expect it at all. And the fact that it pays oh. into the joke well. Oh mm. God, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, I've not seen it yet. The new kids in the hall, but I need to. <laughs> oh, it's worth it. Yeah, it's good to see him. Oh, yeah. it's, it still makes me remember the was it the episode where Buddy gets paid to assassinate himself? Oh God, <laughs> I don't remember that one. <laughs> Anyways, I, with <laughs> with that, um, well, so I guess just one more thing just before we wrap up because I'm a dick like that. Um, Can confirm. What did you guys think? <laughs> I was wondering what, what were your guys' thoughts on like the the references, cameos to just the genre? And, oh, know. you mean like the janitor Freddy wearing the sweater and the hat? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, did yeah. notice that. Uh, I don't know if I noticed any other ones. Can you think uh, of any? I'm sure they were Linda, there. Linda Blair was one of the reporters. Oh yeah, Linda Blair is one of the reporters. Right, right, right. Yeah. I only saw it in the cast list. I didn't notice it at the time. Just like the the references to to characters too. I, I like how they talk. It wasn't a Wes Craven film. It was a Wes Cameron film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like that. It's like, can't directly call it that it's Wes Craven, but, you know, Cameron has done his share of horror well as well. Yeah, didn't he start with uh, Piranha or Piranha 2, I think? Um, Cameron? I, I just think of things like The Abyss and The Thing. Yeah. Because, you know, all of his movies starts with T or A. <laughs> Some body horror element in a lot of his stuff. Yeah. I've heard of The Terminator. Uh-huh. <laughs> by uh alfred schwarzenegger of course <laughs> yeah he, he wrote and directed it right mm-hmm. yes yeah. yes yeah. he's a french man I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah those kind of like the obviously the the big ones i know apparently like the writers had to like argue with wes craven that Nope, it's a good thing that these characters are referencing him because he's like, I don't want to call that out. It's like, these are clearly horror buffs. <laughs> they know the genres. It would be weird if you weren't mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I promise I won't interrupt this time, Drew. I'm going to let you finish now. Oh, no, well, I mean, I don't, I don't have a, a written <laughs> outro or anything. Well, re put on the spot. I had my confidence, and now I'm lacking confidence. Back on his heels now. Get him. Oh, well, he's weak. Oh, no. Um, so, so, so how, many, how many stabbings do you give this film, Drew? How many stabbings? <laughs> Sounds like you don't have your arbitrary uh, rating system. I would, I would give this many stabbings. Many love stabbings. <laughs> I, you know, I thir- thoroughly enjoyed this film, and I... I could be easily convinced to watch another of uh, the Scream series. Mostly because, like, my first viewing, it wouldn't be, like, going out of my way to revisit it in such a manner. What about the Final Destination movies? I never really watched those, but they are of this time. Uh, oh, my God. 
There's one They're where amazing. this girl falls back into a shelf and there's this nail gun behind her, but her hand's like against her face and then it gets like from behind nailed to her face. <laughs> I mean, sold. One ticket, please. <laughs> they're amazing. Um, they're terrible, but they're amazing. Yeah, great. Sounds like Hellraiser. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind me a Hellraiser. Yeah, yeah. Those sequels are like, oh, you got to be into it because yeah. Yeah. yikes. They should just do Hellraiser versus Michael, and then they can do a, a threequel that's Freddy versus Jason versus Hell. <laughs> Hellraiser versus Should we Michael. tell them that Freddy versus Jason? I guess it'd be Pinhead, technically. Yeah. <laughs> Not Hellraiser. You, you yeah. know there is Freddy versus Jason, right? Yeah, that's what Terrible. that was. That was the joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's it's like they should have them, and then the threequel should introduce Hellraiser. I know that. I know that. There's a probably at least a limited run of Dark Horse comics of every single combination we can possibly think of of Freddy versus Jason, Jason versus the Cenobites. You know, Howard. Wasn't the there Duck. like versus the uh, thing someone versus leprechaun versus like who one. leprechaun oh oh yeah uh i actually remember this like it was a movie or a comic it was a movie hmm. pretty sure another series that i never got into was the leprechaun one i'd always see some funny scene as long as warwick that Davis had jennifer aniston in it Holy yeah the first one she doesn't like to talk about it i always remember that fact too <laughs> Holy crap. yeah r- really early on well, awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. It was great talking about this. Good to see you again. Had a great time. Oh, for sure. As I, and as I understand, you're, you'll be having an album release soon after the release of this cast. That's correct. We recorded our new album, our third full-length, Empires of Ash. It'll be out in November for a limited digital and cassette release. And we'll be releasing a vinyl release later on. Vinyl? Vinyl nice. later year, probably early 2023, considering everywhere's backed up. But yeah, look for the gap. You can listen nice. to us on all of your platforms. Just search for Hair and Sludge. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and I'll put a full list of everything I can find in the description of this. Hey, uh, thanks. Awesome. Thanks for having me. With that, this has been Beardy and the Beast Media Club. Join us for the next Media Club where we discuss the anime bubble. As always, if you like what we do, like and subscribe, or join the conversation in the comments or at our Discord. A full list of services that we're available on is available at beardyandthebeast.com. Later.